Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. A memorial. It can be a monument, a statue, or even a day. This weekend, our nation is commemorating Memorial Day, a national holiday, acknowledging the sacrifice of those who gave their lives so that our nation and others could be free. At Cross Culture Church, we recognize and give thanks for those who paid for our nation's freedom with their very blood. But we also take the opportunity today to look to God's Word and see an example of a man often overlooked who gave his life and who can teach us a thing or two about following Jesus. We better not be arrogant. We better not be prideful. We better not be any of those things because they're not the things that Jesus would do. Jesus wept over those who were unwilling to receive the gospel. But it does mean that I can and should engage my culture around me from a Christian perspective and be unashamed to do that. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Last week, Pastor Clay finished up our series on marriage, and next week he's going to begin a series on the family. So this week, we're taking the chance to show an example of a follower of Jesus who deserves recognition. His name is Stephen, and the Bible records Stephen's death as a result of his bold stand for Jesus. As Pastor Clay is going to point out today, there are a few things we can learn from Stephen about living and dying for Jesus. Some of y'all probably heard the story about the little boy that attended church uh, one Sunday, and when the service was over, when it finished, he walked out and out into the, the outer area, the lobby area, the vestibule. I used to think some probably still call it that. Walked out of that area, and he noticed there was a, a plaque on the wall. There's a list of names on that plaque, and he's looking at that, and he's trying to figure out what it is. And the pastor, who was back there greeting folks as they went out, uh, he went over to the little boy, and he asked him if he knew what that was. And And the little boy said, he he confessed, he didn't know what it was. And the pastor said, well, those are uh, the lives of of those who died in the service. And the boy's eyes got real big and he said, wow, I I felt a little sleepy in there, but I I didn't think I was going (laughs) to. Yeah, Uh, we we do. It it is a serious thing. I'm not jokes aside. It's a serious thing to reflect on sacrifice on lives that people have given. And it's right and it's proper to do it in, in, in this context today, even at church, to, to take a moment and reflect on, on those who've given their lives for our nation. But I also thought that it was a good opportunity to uh, reflect on, on a life of someone who gave up that life for freedoms. We, we have a great nation. We have a great country. It's, like I said, it is not perfect. By any stretch of the imagination, but it's, but it's a great country. But there is a country, there is a kingdom that is far greater than any kingdom on this earth. And it is, of course, the kingdom of God. Now, uh, there, you can think of the kingdom of God in two ways. In one sense, uh, you can think of the kingdom of God established. In other words, God is on his throne, God has been on his throne, and God will forever be on his throne. Good, that's a good place. God uh, has already established that men and women, creation, uh, we are part of his creation and that we are created in his image and that included in whatever all that means to be created in the image of God means that we are eternal beings. And he has already preordained that salvation could be offered to men and women through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, what he accomplished for us 
What we could never accomplish ourselves, God has already determined that that could be, provide a way of salvation that, that whosoever would call on the name of the Lord should be saved. And that, that, that those that did not accept the gift of God's Son, Christ, would spend eternity in this real place called hell. God has established those things. God's kingdom is established. But you can also think of the kingdom of God in the sense that the kingdom is expanding. In other words, God is on his throne, but God has uh, chosen in his plan of salvation that the kingdom would expand, that it would get larger as men and women, boys and girls come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, as they come to trust him as their Lord and Savior. And so that each time uh, a person commits their life to Jesus Christ, each time a person recognizes their sinfulness and, and, and turns from trusting in their self and accepts Christ as Savior, every time that happens, the kingdom of God expands. You understand? So is there, there is the sense that the kingdom of God is established and there's the sense that the kingdom of God is expanding. Jesus said this, uh, some of you are familiar with this, in Matthew chapter 28, what's called the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is after his, his resurrection. Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Which is a little clue right there that there is an end to the age. That, that God, you know, has this, this plan and things are going to work out according to that plan. But that is the kingdom of God expanding. And, and you and I, or those of us certainly, and I don't want to take that for granted, but any of us here who have come to the place where we have committed our lives to Jesus Christ, we've said, yes, yes, I, I, I know, man, I'm a sinner, and I understand I violated God's law, and, I, and I've learned that I can never be good enough, it's not about working, and all that kind of stuff, that Christ provided that salvation for me, and by faith I am, I am reaching out and I'm asking Christ to forgive me of my sins and become the Lord of my life. For those of us who have made that decision and committed our life to Jesus Christ, guess what? We are now engaged in this expansion of the kingdom. We are soldiers, if you will, in the war for the battle of men's and women's, not just their physical lives, but their very eternal destinies. We are now engaged in that process. And so was this man that I want to talk about this morning named Stephen. If you have your copy of God's Word with you, you can open it to uh, Acts chapter 6. The text is going to be up on the screen as well. But uh, Acts chapter 6, and then we're going to move into cha Acts chapter 7. And the story of Stephen. And Stephen teaches us some things. as what I'm calling a Memorial Day model, if you will, of, uh, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be engaged in this work that is the expansion of the kingdom. Okay? So glad you're here today. So glad. Okay. All right. So here, we're, we're going to start that. It's got four ideas real quick I'm going to run through and try and share with you today. And uh, then we'll see how far we get with all of it. But we're going to start with this. Here's one of the things that, that Stephen t teaches us. To be unashamed of Jesus. Now watch this. Acts chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. The word of God kept on spreading... And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were coming, becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. 
the word, this, this reference to, in verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading is, is a reference to uh, the Old Testament prophecies and promises uh, that, that had been down through the years had been given to the people of God, promising that one day God would send the, uh, the, the Hebrew word, the Jewish word would be, we would say it, Messiah, the, 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 the Savior, the Christ, that someday he would come and, and set the captives free, as, as the prophet Isaiah, Old Testament prophet Isaiah chapter 61 says, he would come and set the captives free. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did, right? That's what he did. He came to set you and me, we were the captives to sin, he came to set us free. And as a result of that, for those of us who have made that decision, we've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we've, we need to come to an understanding that I do not need to be ashamed of the name of Jesus. Uh, Stephen is there among these and notice the text says a good many of the priests, meaning the very priests of Judaism. I mean, not just people who practice Judaism, but the very priests of Judaism. We're coming to realize that Jesus Christ really was who he claimed to be all along. That he wasn't just another rabbi, not just another teacher. That he wasn't just another good guy that got caught up in some sort of political intrigue and got himself killed. No, they were coming to understand because they were looking at, the, at these Old Testament prophecies in a whole new light. And word, had, I mean the word, had, this is pretty fresh, right? Okay, but the word is buzzing. Hey, do y'all hear? The body is gone and nobody can find it. But other people are claiming that they've already seen Jesus. They saw him walking around, moving everywhere. He's actually alive. Whether, whether the priests were actual eyewitnesses, whether just the Spirit of God convinced them, or whatever the point was, even some of the priests are coming to know Christ as their personal Savior. And right in the middle of all of this that's happening, right in the middle of all of it, is Stephen, as the text says, full of grace, full of God's grace and power. He's operating in the name of Jesus unashamedly years ago when uh, Cindy and I were living in our family uh, the boys we were living in Tennessee okay <laughs> I know there's some Tennessee people here so we were living in Tennessee and um, uh, we had this guy an evangelist came to our church uh, Joe was it Mobley or Mobley Mobley Joe Mobley this guy named Joe Mobley came an evangelist to speak and he was a he was a he was a big guy Joe was tall he was thick you know he was just, he was just a big guy and, uh, and, and he always wore red socks, uh, at least when he preached. I don't remember about it all the time, but at least every time he got up to preach, he wore these red socks. And he said he did that because uh, when he first started out in ministry, an elderly lady gave him a pair of red socks to remind him to always preach on the blood of Jesus. And uh, so he always wore these, these red socks uh, every time he preached. So we were out at lunch with him uh, one day. He's there for, you know, evangelism. Or when evangelist comes in town, a lot of times it's stay used to stay for like a whole week and sometimes two weeks, but it's kind of, we've kind of condensed that nowadays. But anyway, uh, we were out at lunch with him one day and we said a blessing uh, over our meal and we finished the blessing. It, it made Joe think of this story. And so he told us about how he had recently been at another church in another town and he'd gone to lunch with the pastor of that church, okay? And uh, they were in a restaurant. It was busy. It was crowded and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and uh, the pastor uh, kind of leans forward at the table and leans forward. And he says, well, y'all, y'all should lean forward. <laughs> he, says, he says, brother, brother, it's, it's kind of crowded in here today. A lot of people. So we'll just kind of say our own blessing to ourselves." <laughs> Joe said, he, I don't think he said this out loud, but he thought, he thought whatever floats your boat, brother. And he, and he says he, that he waited. He waited until the guy, you know, just kind of, his hands are under the table and he just kind of 
you know, does his head like that. And Joe, you just had to know this guy, but he starts then praying out loud, as loudly, loudly. He starts praying, Lord, I don't know why this your servant is ashamed of you, but I want to thank you for this food that you provided for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know, I'm going out of limb here, but I'm guessing that Joe never got an invite back to that church uh, after that. But it is, this, it is this idea of being unashamed of the name of Jesus. Y- y'all have seen maybe these words. The Apostle Paul wrote them in Romans chapter 1. Listen to what he says. For I am not, say that word with me, say it. Ashamed. Say it again. Ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And that word gospel just means good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, the Greek simply means to Gentiles, anybody that's not a Jew, most of us here, I would assume. So uh, essentially, to paraphrase Paul, he's saying, why in the world would I be embarrassed or ashamed about something that can actually bring salvation to a person's life? Why would I, why would I be ashamed of that or embarrassed about that? Let me tell you why we struggle with it. Because more and more, at least in our culture here in America, we're living more and more in a culture that basically is telling us to sit down and shut up. Hey, you want to believe that whole Jesus sense? Fine, fine. But just keep it to yourselves. Just keep it down. Keep it to yourselves. And the call of the gospel over and over again, after page after page, is to be unashamed, to, to proclaim, to go and make disciples. Now, does that mean that we have to beat people over the head with our Bible? Go ahead. Does it mean that? No. Say it with conviction. No. No. That doesn't mean we have to beat people over the head. Does it mean we have to be arrogant and say, well, you're going to burn in hell? No. No. We better not be arrogant. We better not be prideful. We better not be any of those things because they're not the things that Jesus would do. Jesus wept over those who were unwilling to receive the gospel. But It does mean that I can and should engage my culture around me from a Christian perspective and be unashamed to do that. And say, listen, you don't have to. I'm just telling you, this is what I've discovered to be true. And why would we possibly be ashamed of that? Uh, Some of you have heard the story before. Some of you heard me tell the story of Penn Jillette. Penn Jillette is half of the, uh, he's the talking half of the magical team, magician team, Penn and Teller. Y'all know who I'm talking about? He's the big one. Uh, Penn Jillette is uh, a professing atheist. Uh, he does not uh, believe in the existence of God. And he was in an interview one time, and I can't remember if I read the article or whether I actually saw the interview. But anyway, in the interview, the interviewer was asking him some questions. He was asking him, I think he was some kind of derogatory towards Christianity or something like that. And, and uh, Penn Jillette had some very kind things to say about Christi- Christians and their right to believe what they want. He said, they can believe what they can believe, just as I can believe what I believe. We have the right to do that. And so he, he didn't kind of go down that trail with that guy. But in the process of that interview, Pendulet said something that I will never forget and that I wish that every single professing follower of Jesus could hear. He said, he said if Christians really believe what they say they believe, if, they, if Christians really believe that there is a heaven, and if Christians really believe that there is a hell, And if Christians really believe that what you believe about Jesus determines where you will spend that eternity, if they really believe that, listen to what he said, if they really believe that, how much must you hate me to not share that message with me? Do you understand? 
Now, he, he had heard the message. Somebody, what brought it up was somebody had shared with him recently at, at a, after a show or something. Uh, and he was moved by the guy's boldness to go up to him and share. And he, and he just said, how much must a, must a professing follower of Jesus hate me to not share this message with me that they say I have to have or I'm going to spend eternity in hell? Just to be unashamed of the name of Jesus. Here's a, here's a second idea this morning. Be unafraid of confrontation. Look at this. Picking it up in verse 9. Y'all still with me? Okay, watch. <clears throat> here's what happens. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. Watch verse 10. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. That's called the spirit of God working. They they couldn't keep up. They They couldn't. Verse 11. Then they secretly induced men to say... Oh, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. And they put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place and the law, meaning the Levitical law, their their law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. Verse 15, and fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. It is to be unafraid of confrontation. It's happening. Thousands of people in Jerusalem are coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It's going to begin to spread very rapidly and go out from there. Uh, um, but as it's happening, people are coming to faith. Priests are coming to faith. We saw that just a minute ago. Lots of stuff is happening. So people began to engage Stephen. They said, oh, and they begin to argue with him about this. And the power of God is working uh, in the moment. And Stephen is, is prayed up and he's, he's, stu- he's just ready uh, to let God use him to speak in their hearts and lives. And he says, listen, guys, listen to me. And I, I, I really think that there, there wasn't necessarily an arrogance. He's pretty bold in what he says, and we'll see that in a few minutes. But I really don't think there's some arrogance in it. He says, listen, guys, you've got it wrong. I, I know you think that you can be good enough to get into heaven. Listen, guys, I used to think that myself. I thought the very same thing. But I discovered that God had planned to send his son. And, 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 I, and I know that he's real. I know that Jesus was the Messiah. I know that he's risen from the grave. And guys, I know that he'll save your lives just like he saved mine. That's what he's telling them. Well, as you can imagine... That goes over about as well as a whole hog barbecue at a vegan convention. Or uh, Barry Manilow music at a Def Leppard concert. Or a Prius exhibit at a hot rod rally. Or a... No, that's enough. That's enough. I think you get the point. It didn't go over well. It wasn't well received. And Stephen runs into confrontation. Stephen runs into problems with these guys. And listen, you know, me, me and you, we, we may have a debate, we may get an argument, we may, whatever, uh, but as we're going to see in a moment, this is life and death. This is going to turn into a life and death moment for Stephen. And, and, and Stephen is unafraid of confrontation in that moment. Now, I'm going to explain what that is, just say what, what I mean by totally unafraid, but, but he's unafraid of confrontation. Did I, did I ever tell you about the confrontation I had when I was in high school with this guy? I don't know if I told the story or not, but when I, was in, uh, I was in high school, and uh, I was in gym class one day, and, 
and uh, we were in the gym. We were, uh, a bunch of pickup games were going on all over the court. We we're playing basketball, and uh, and our basketball from our end of the court got away from us and went running down. Uh, you know, ran down the other end of the court, and I ran down to get the ball, and I went and I went to bend down and pick. Just as I bent down to pick it up. Some guy that's down there playing down there, he just kicks the ball. I mean, right out of my just uh, kicks it right out of my hands. Well, I'm not going to stand for that. So I say something really clever. Hey! And I went ran, running, back after the, running back after the basketball, right? So after, after gym class, go back, you know, get changed, locker, and come back out and waiting for the bell to ring to leave. And, uh, and this, this guy comes up. And I, I really hadn't paid attention. to. I just knew somebody kicked it. And I said, hey! And uh, this guy comes up to me. Uh, or I, I'm walking by. And the guy's standing there. And he says, and there's that punk that better learn to keep his mouth shut. And he was, he was big. He was, he was big. He was a big, big dude. <laughs> and, and, I, and I looked at him and said, well, if you think you're big enough. And so, so there we go. We're go, going to fight right there, right in the, in the thing. And uh, so we're, you know, you know most, most fights are like, you know, no, very few punches end up getting uh, thrown. Fortunately for me, Coach Kingery arrived just in time to, to save my life and uh, took us both to, the, to his office and gave us licks, uh, paddles. You know, that's foreign to some of y'all students nowadays. So, li- to get a lick means get a paddling. I know that's, I know that's a foreign concept these days, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but to be unafraid of confrontation. Now, was I, was I scared in that, in that moment? Not that I'm sharing the gospel, you understand, but, but did, did I know fear? Yeah. Were my spidey senses going off and everything? You know, yeah. Yeah. Stephen stands up and he proclaims the gospel, knowing that confrontation is going to come, unafraid of it. Um, this uh, Luke chapter 12. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Now, watch what, what Jesus says. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, that nothing more, they can't do anything else. Can you see Jesus' perspective here? He's, uh, we're always looking from this earthly perspective, right? This where Jesus is like, kill your body? Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I'll warn you of, of whom you should fear. Fear the one who after killing has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I, I tell you, fear him. In other words, that's, that's where your focus ought to be. That's where, if you're going to be uh, afraid of something, that's what you better be thinking of is the fact that God is real. In uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> I had a pastor friend that was going through a hard patch one time. His church was like, mm, mm, mm. they're just like railing on him. Uh, that, that does happen. I know that's, y'all don't know, but that does happen in some churches. And they're railing on him and it's a rough time. And so, you know, I'm going to be all spiritual. And I quote that, that verse to him. I say, oh, Paul, don't worry about it, brother. If God is for us, who can be against us? And he kind of laughed. Look at me. <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> And now listen, I, I know I know what he meant in that moment because he's in the moment of all of that, just yeah, 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 and he's he's going through all that. I understand what he meant, but I also understood what the apostle Paul said that it doesn't matter what they say, it doesn't matter what they do, it doesn't matter what they think of you. If God is for you, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay, and you can rest in that very idea to be unafraid of confrontation. Now. To be unafraid doesn't mean, as I said a moment, it doesn't mean that there's not fear. But here's what it means. It means that that fear doesn't have to cause me to freeze. 
You understand that, 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 if, that if I'm going to present my case for the gospel or why my life has changed as a result of Christ, I don't, I, I may, you know, if it gets antagonistic or gets kind of heated or gets kind of whatever, I'm, nobody, I, I don't think many, maybe there are some people. Maybe some of y'all do. I don't like confrontation. And, and you can get kind of antsy or kinda, maybe even kind of a little scared about it, if, especially if it's a situation like this. But it doesn't mean that that fear has to freeze us. Do you understand? I, I have discovered that that confrontation comes with people basically for, for two reasons. Now, the, the particulars or the specifics of it may vary a little bit, but really, if you think about it, uh, confrontation comes down to, to two reasons, and they're, they're this right here. Nobody wants to be told they're wrong, and nobody wants to be told what to do. Hey, Christianity rings both of those bells. Christianity says, listen, I, I, I'm no better than you. As a matter of fact, there's probably a point in my life where I was a lot worse than you. But I'm just telling you that Jesus is the way. Jesus said it himself, John 14, 6, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, say it, no one comes to the Father except through me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's about as politically incorrect as you can get in the day and age in which we live. But I didn't say it, I'm just repeating it. It's what Jesus said. And he's the one that rose from the grave. And as I've said many times, I'm going with the guy that beat death. So it doesn't, it doesn't, listen, it's not, it's not anybody's, it doesn't matter if it's Buddhism or, or Hinduism or Mohammedism or atheism or, or any other ism. Christianity says, listen, I, I, I know you're fervent about your religion. I know that you think you're right, but you're wrong. And, and here's why you're wrong. And here's what you have to do. People don't. Like it. So confrontation is going to come. So you just you have to understand that and say, yeah, I may not like confrontation, but I don't have to be afraid if confrontation comes my way because there is substantial evidence to support what I believe, empirical evidence to support what I believe, and I can share that with somebody that wants to hear it. Again, we can't force it. We can't, you understand? All right, say move on, Clay. All right, here we go. Third one, be uncompromising with truth. Now, we, we don't have time to read all of the verses there, 1 through 53 of chapter 7. Uh, but, as, as we just read a moment ago, as, as these people, they, 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 can't, they can't stand up to Stephen's wisdom. They can't stand up to the power of God working. And so they just start, well, well, uh, uh, well he's saying bad stuff about Moses and about the law. And, and, and he's saying that, that Nazarene, Jesus is going to tear the, this place down. And, and he's going to do this. They, they bring up false witnesses and all this stuff. And then, and then they grab him and they drag him. And it's kind of hard for us to understand, but, but the religious powers in Israel at that time, even though they were, they were submitting to the authority of Rome, the religious powers had a great bit of authority. And religious, religion can cause a lot of people to get upset. Have you all noticed that? And so they, they grab Stephen and they drag him down to the, to the Sanhedrin, to the religious court. And they say, he did this, and, and this is what he's done, and he said that, and, he, and he's saying all this, and this is what's happening. And in chapter 7, in verse 1, the, the, the head guy of the Sanhedrin, the high priest, says, are these things so? Stephen, is that, is that true? What they're saying about you? Is that true? Now listen to me. Listen to me. This is it, folks. This is crunch time. This is l- literally life and death for Stephen. If, if, he, if he backs down now, he's probably going to be okay. <laughs> Whoa, guys, what, did I say Jesus is the only way? I, I meant Jesus is only a way. I, I, you know, you, you, right? Right? Because this is it, man. 
I know it, walking down the hall of high school and getting a bait is not anything that bad going to happen. But this is life or death. They've already drug him down to the court. What are you going to do? Are you going to compromise the truth? And in that moment, Stephen opens his mouth and he speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And listen, it's brilliant. He starts at a place where they can all agree. He starts with Father Abraham, the, the father of the nation of Israel. And yeah, buddy, they like what they hear. And he talks about Abraham and God's promises, uh, his eternal covenant promises to Abraham. And, and he moves on to Isaac, Abraham's son. And he moves on to Jacob, uh, Isaac's son. And he, he moves on to, to Jacob's 12 sons and the, that became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And, and, and he just, he's just marching all through chapter 7 there. He's marching through this this history lesson and, and they're just listening and he, and he moves on into specifically into Joseph and the promises of God to Joseph and, and he moves on into how uh, the people were enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years down there but God was faithful and God sent Moses and God sent the plagues and God convinced Pharaoh to let his people go and he's just, it's just all about this. And they're glued, right? They, man, they're all into this. And he moves on into the two great kings of Israel. He moves into David and he moves into Solomon. Listen to me. He's got them eating out of the palm of his hand. They're probably amening him every time he takes a breath. If he quits now, he gets a standing ovation, a big fat love offering, and an invitation to speak at every, every synagogue in Israel. Look what he says. Verse uh, 51, I think it is. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah. Oh, by the way, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately, look at that word. You deliberately disobeyed. It's not like, oh, you accidentally didn't realize. No, you deliberately disobeyed God's law. Just told a Jew he disobeyed God's law. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Okay, I think we can rule out that Stephen's not getting an invitation to their Hanukkah party. There just comes a point, folks. There just comes a point where you got to decide whether you're going to compromise the truth or not. For, For popularity. Again, can I tell you this is the truth? If you say, I'm not going to compromise the truth, I'm going to speak truth, I, uh, I'm not arrogantly, you're not thinking I'm any better than anybody else, but this is what God's word says, and I'm going to speak that to people if they'll listen to me, if they're open, if they want to talk, or they want to engage somebody at lunch with me or, or family. You may very well lose friends, family members, so, someone close to you. If you make the determination, say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to compromise the truth. Hey, listen, by the way, it's not just uncompromising on speaking the truth. It's uncompromising on living the truth. You cannot separate those. Do you understand? You can't. You can't do it. So you may very well lose people. But there comes a point where if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to decide whether you're going to compromise the truth or not. Because there will be opportunities to compromise. Um, I think uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I love the fact that the writer of Proverbs puts both kindness and truth in there. There is a way to say, listen, I, I know you probably don't agree with me. And, I, and I'm not any better than you. I'm not. I'm just telling you, I've discovered this truth for myself. And if you want to hear it, I'd love to share it. If you don't, no harm, no foul. I, 
you know, I'll keep being your neighbor. I'll, I'll keep working right alongside you. I'll keep whatever. But, but this, is, this is what I've discovered to be true. Uncompromising truth. Is it hot in here? It is. Sorry. The air's not on today. I just realized that. You got to decide where you're going to compromise. And then last, be unflinching in faith. That's what Stephen teaches us. To be unflinching in faith. In, uh, in chapter 7, verse 54 to 60. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That would infuriate them. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Take note, guys. You're talking about memorials. You're looking at a man die right here. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. I think it is a beautiful thing that, that even as they were breaking the bones of Stephen, they could not break his heart. And even as he's dying, he's asking God to forgive the very people who are throwing stones at him just as fast and as hard as they can. It is an unflinching faith. And Stephen, in that moment, stands for the truth. knowing He knows what's coming. He knows how they're going to react to this. He's uncompromising on the truth, and they literally take it out on him. They're looking for rocks. They're picking up. They're throwing him out. They're running him out of the city. And as soon as they get him outside the gates, they start hurling the stones at him. By the way, can I just say this, sidebar? One of the evidences for the validity of this book, one of the reasons we can know that this book is true, is the fact that stories like that are actually in there. Because let's face it, this is not the fairy tale ending, is it? The cavalry didn't ride up in the nick of time for Stephen, did they? Right? But if a bunch of men got together and made this up because they just wanted to come up with a new religion, as has been, uh, as we have been accused of, a bunch of guys just got together, a bunch of chauvinistic men that wanted to keep control of everybody, they came up with this religion, uh, wrote, wrote a bunch of stuff down. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, nobody writes this stuff down where the, where the good guy, where the Christian takes a rock upside the head. Talk about killing your recruiting numbers. No. Uh-uh. No, you'd write it and you'd say, and Stephen, uh, in the power of God, uh, spoke and the people got angry and they threw stones at him. But the stones bounced off because the power, the Shekinah glory of God was surrounding Stephen. And he was lifted up into the clouds and taken in a great... E- I don't know. It's something. That's how you'd write it. <laughs> I'd want to join that team. Oh, you want me to join the team that got stoned? Well, uh, let me think about that a minute. No, you see what I'm saying? It, it, this, this moment that we just read is a testimony to the unflinching faith of Stephen, but also to the validity of this very book. Listen, I, I, I need to close this out. Life can be flinching, can it? Life can make you flinch. You know what I'm saying? You know what a flinch is? <laughs> Come on, y'all ever flinched? At the movies, I flinch every time a big bang or something goes off. And you know it's coming. Cindy laughs every time because I just... 
like I didn't know it was coming. Life can make you flinch, buddy. Financial problems, marital troubles, cancer diagnosis, children being rebellious, I mean, whatever. A thousand other things that can make life tough, tough, unflinching faith says no. I, I will not give in to the fear that is trying to accost me. I will not give in to the doubts that are trying to... No, I choose. I will, I will choose. Here it is. I will choose to believe. I will choose to stand on faith and say that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. I choose faith. I choose faith. That's, that's what unflinching faith is. It doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean we don't have fear. Wow, sure. I've had plenty of fears in my life at times of sharing the gospel or in, in moments that were, seemed dangerous or, or whatever else. But unflinching means I, I, will, I will continue on. I will not quit at this because I believe in my God who is able to do exactly what he has promised me he will do. What about you? What about your faith? What about your faith? How is it? Is it a faith based or built on, on who you are? That, that you, you, yeah, you believe in Jesus. Yeah, you heard he, he died uh, for your sins. But when you get right down to it, that you're thinking, well, I, you know, I'm really not that bad a person. Sorry, but that's got nothing to do with it. Remember, I shock people sometimes when I tell them, do you know hell will be full of good people? Good from our perspective, good, kind, moral people. But the truth is, no matter how good a person is, the Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've all said, done, or thought something that God would not, and the Bible calls that sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. So it's not about being good. It's not about, it's about a faith commitment of my life to God and saying, God, I I've messed this up, I'm a, I've made a mess out of my life, or maybe I'm, a good, maybe I'm a good mother, or maybe this or that, but God, I'm still a sinner, I'm separated from you, and by faith, right now, I'm asking you to redeem me, I'm asking you to forgive me, I'm turning from trusting in myself, and I'm accepting what you did on the cross for me. God, would you save me, even me, and would you empower me to stand and to grow and to learn and to, to be who you've created me to be? Oh, listen. I tell people sometimes that, that I'm dialoguing with that don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you only knew, if you only knew what you could be in your life and what all God would want to do. And it has nothing to do with you say, well, I'm happy in my life. Oh, it's not about, it's about how much more God would desire to do in and through your life. That's a model that you and I can follow right there, folks. The gospel, it really is the good news about Jesus. And as we just heard, Stephen stood and boldly proclaimed the truth to a group of people that weren't interested in hearing the truth. You know, that sounds a lot like our culture today, doesn't it? More and more people seem less interested and in some cases, more antagonistic to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as Stephen taught us today, we can be unashamed of Jesus and unafraid of confrontation. There will always be some who don't want to to hear the truth, but God's Word still has the power to change lives, and you and I are called to present that truth with an unflinching faith. We may face ridicule and even persecution for standing up like Stephen did, but we can be assured of God's presence with us no matter what may happen. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. 
Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. Cross-Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.